welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. First and foremost, sorry about the background noise. It's actually cicada season down here in Costa Rica, so there's just this incessant chirping that I'm not sure if the audio is picking up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Anyway, this week, Buck's going to come on to talk about all the major sponsorship news that has come out. After that, we're going to talk about the WSL and Apple collaboration, I guess you could call it. The WSL is basically forcing their surfers to wear Apple watches to, one, give them information about their heat, but two, and perhaps nefariously, track their vitals. We don't know what's going to happen with that, but Buck and I are going to break it down and also how it's faring so far at Pipeline, which you may already have an idea about. We're also going to discuss wave pools and whether or not small-time investors can get in on them because they seem like a good investment on the surface, right? Like people are paying tons of money to go surf these things. It sounds like they're popping up all over the world, but we wanted to know if somebody with, say, $10,000 could invest in one and make a tidy profit. And last but not least, we're going to announce the 2022 Stab Surfers of the Year. It's official, and you're going to have to listen to hear who they are. So let's drop in. All right, Mikey, you are not at Stab in the Dark. You are not at the Vans Triple Crown on the North Shore of Oahu. What I understand is that you're currently looking after the nation of Costa Rica while Carlos Munoz surfs in a ct event is this correct that's true yeah you're just you're kind of keeping an eye on it for him somebody had to hold the fort down um carlos made it out of his round two heat yesterday by the skin of his teeth and he's got felipe toledo uh coming up next by the time people are listening to this that heat might have already happened so don't tell us i've got money on carlos naturally i think that's a great matchup it's the best matchup you could really ask for because you get a world champion in a wave that he's maybe not as comfortable in (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see oh, how it plays out. Like... But until then, I've got Costa Rica held down for him. I got you, Carlos. Don't worry. Oh, wow. The best matchup you can ask for, huh? I mean, it's like... <laughs> I love how you tried to just like kind of put it nicely, too, but you already had said it. You already said the best matchup you can ask for. And then you tried to be like, because, you know, it's this and no, You just... Well, we're Team Carlos. We're Team Carlos. BetOnline.ag. Get in there. I got 20 bucks on him. I might up it depending on what the forecast looks like when they're going to run. But anyway, Buck, what else is going on? We've got a lot of surf news this week. And, you know, we're going to start off with a news-heavy one. A, a, a news story about news. Let's get into it. Red Bulls, Crypto Bears, Former's Six-Figure Fish, and Tyler's Multi-Millions. Eh, didn't read it exactly right, but that's going to work anyway. You're not going to miss this headline. <laughs> like I said, this is a news story that, and this is a news podcast, and this is a news story that takes a bunch of stuff that we're hearing and puts it all into one punchy piece. So let's get through it. Red Bulls, Griffin Colapinto. I mean, we've been talking about this one since officially kind of early January, but kind of hinting at it since the Quicksilver deal went down. But now it's official. Griffin is on Red Bull. He is off Monster on Red Bull. And that's big news. It sure is. What's your take on it? I mean, it's pretty clear to me what Red Bull's trying to do here. If you look at their roster on the CT, like they've got Italo from Brazil. They picked up Jack from Australia. They've obviously had Leo for a long time from Italy. They've got Kanoa from Japan. Now they've got the number one rated American surfer in the world. Granted, that was in a year when John John Florence wasn't on the tour for the full year. But it's clear to me that they want to win. I mean, world titles, obviously. But what does this year really determine? Who gets into the 2024 Olympics? So they're trying to lock in some Olympic guarantees. I don't even want to call them hopefuls because... I'd say all those guys are going to the Olympics and hopefully a gold medalist come summer 2024. Mm. It sounds pretty colonial what they're doing uh, when you lay it out that way, but (laughs) it is. We talked to Griffin for this. We have a quote from him in this story. And one thing he brought up is that when you sign with a company like Red Bull, obviously they have some money to throw around. Like you said, they, they have a clear goal. They want to be on the Olympic podium, but they really, really support their athletes in ways that a lot of surf brands, I'm sure, wish that they could, but sometimes can't. Um, I had a conversation with Kanoa Igarashi, which will probably go live on the site in the next week or two, where he talked about how much they've done for him 
in terms of just like training, like just being able to figure out, hey, like I want to get better at surfing. What do I do? They have some very, very smart people that can help you figure out how to do or what to do essentially and then how to do it. And so Griffin mentioned that as well. He mentioned just like having a company like that behind him. They offer so much help more than just money. So no surprise there. Uh, we saw this one coming. We've been hinting at it, but it is now official. Uh, Jamie O'Brien surprised him. Kind of surprised him. I mean, he knew it was coming since the quick deal too, but uh, J-O-B still. Yeah, that was the most staged shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> While the guy's like holding a camera behind Griffin and Griffin's like basically holding a Red Bull can in his hand. Yeah. He should have just went in the Billabong office and did that in November. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so that's Red Bull's Crypto Bears. This is a... This is a bit of a mystery to us. Usually when we do pieces like this that is kind of like a collection of the industry news, we get it from... Everybody in Stab has different kind of circles that we hear different things from this one came from Sam and usually he'll tell us who, even if we can't say it, he just had his lips sealed here, but we had an interesting conversation about how FTX, the, um, you're the crypto guy. Explain what FTX is and Sam Sam Bankman. I'm gonna say fried. I know it's not how you say it, but it just sounds so much better to me. Sam (laughs) Sam Bankman fried. Just, I'm going to let you explain that, and then we'll get back to the story. So tell the people what FTX is, if they don't already know, if they don't listen to news ever. Yeah, FTX, they're a crypto exchange platform that recently went under because it turned out that their CEO, the guy who you just said, his name wrong, Pride. Uh, Pride. was doing a lot of shady things. He was basically taking money that people invested in crypto. He's taking it out of their crypto investments and using it for other investments. He tried to frame himself as this big philanthropist guy, blah, blah, blah. But it turns out it was just a Ponzi scheme. Everything's a Ponzi mm. scheme if you think about it. It really is. Uh, yeah. So FTX basically went underwater. This guy's net worth went from like some ungodly number of billion dollars to zero. And it's just a great story. And I mean, Buck, you, you know, you're, you're saying you don't know who it is, but... No, I know who this... We both know it was Kale Walsh. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant I didn't know who Sam Bankman Fried is. I know who that guy is. He's just the guy who's like, hey, I'm chill. I sleep on beanbags. I'm not doing anything wrong. And then everybody's like, yeah, you were, though. You were stealing money or doing the, you were doing crazy shit. If you sleep on a beanbag, that's just like the ultimate defense. Of, like, I, I'm, I'm innocent until proven that I have a... a you know, Tempur-Pedic, but anyway, Kale Walsh, clearly, yeah, clearly the FTX thing, this is all about, like you said, they, this massive crypto cl- platform and they were working with these high level people. Yeah. They had like Tom Brady, other athletes, famous people, Larry David was in their commercials. And part of the deal was they gave, obviously they paid them for this, or they gave them a huge chunk of equity in the company, which now is worth nothing. So a lot of these people are suing FTX, blah, blah, blah. But what we found out is that one surfer was offered a million dollars for, what was it, a four-day shoot, a commercial shoot? Yep. Yeah, so a f- just straight, flat-out million dollars for a four-day shoot. Sam wouldn't tell us who it was, but we know it was Kale Walsh. We know. And we know that he lost the deal because of that interview that you did with him mm. where he said that he didn't really know what a Bitcoin was. That's why it all so, went south. So, sorry, yeah. Kale. Sorry. We, we cost you a million, but we gave you 23000 so. Yep, you shouldn't have picked up the phone when you're in that sweaty little airport, which... Uh, you want to know where he was just you'll have to be really care if you're going to do this but look at brennan gibbons instagram you'll figure it out (laughs) (laughs) you'll see where he was there's another story in here though that also doesn't have a name put on it okay yeah which it does bring us to our next one former's six-figure fish by the way let's just say they were sniffing around kale as well they knew he was that bitcoin boy uh kale's everywhere he's everywhere everybody wants a piece they were sniffing around But they have signed an Australian free surfer for a deal that, I mean, it's Aussie dollars, which is pretty much monopoly money in in terms of my understanding of it. Um, But 100K, just south of it, I guess. You know, they're not, it's former. Maybe it's like a core move to just like not have 100K or, you know, six-figure athletes. You get like, you got to keep it under that kind of threshold. (laughs) Uh, But they have signed... This is a huge move. They've signed somebody for just south of that in Aussie dollars because it is an Aussie free surfer. 
and again we can't really say who in this story but we do give you a hint and the hint that we gave you is that they're in stab high this year at lakey peak maybe they're in the final i can't tell i don't know i don't know maybe they were maybe they weren't maybe they're were one of the judges maybe they were one of the judges i don't know we don't know but anyway former this is a big move uh we've talked about it here before but the recent episode of How Surfers Get Paid, episode 5, it goes into the Surfer Started Brands, and we talked about that poll that we ran about which is most likely to succeed. Florence Marine X, also known as just Florence now. We In this story, we talk about them potentially just kind of getting away from the marine exploration element and just being, hey, Florence, do it. Anyway... Former was right up there. They came in second place in that poll, and this is a huge move for them. We've talked about them a lot. We've talked about how they started. Dane has been open about how they thought it was easy. You just kind of make a business, and you make cool T-shirts, and then everybody buys them, and you're rich. And then was like, oh, shit, that's not how it works. There's a lot of other things you have to worry about. Um, so they struggled for a bit, but now they're in a really good place, and this signing just shows you that. I think they're doing great in Australia. Uh, Ethan Davis was the one who picked up on this and we don't have the figures but we do know that it seems like they have a lot a lot of traction in Australia at the moment because Dan US they started with Craig as well but I think they've been focusing on that region lately so they've got a big fish who may or maybe not was a stab high finalist I don't know I can't I can't be sure you can be sure and why can't we talk about this yet you know how people get with contracts they just get a little bit sensitive. It's relationships, it's respect, it's why blah, blah, blah. But it's a podcast, so you can talk about whatever. It's not in writing. No, we can screenshot it. Well, I think that's bad manners, personally, but I guess we'll get past it. And we're on to the next point, which is Tyler Wright is making even more money than this person. She just got offered, or not offered, she just signed a multi-year, multi-million deal with Rip Curl. What are the specs on this thing, Buck? Ooh, okay, we got three years, which was just like her last deal, which snuck in just before a little friend called COVID. It was already around. People were already coughing all over the place, dying all over Wuhan. But uh, she signed a three-year deal in 2020, early before the world shut down. That expired. This one is juicy. This is another three-year this is another three-year deal, and it is worth multi-millions. We don't know the exact figure, but three-year, multi-millions. So that puts her at a minimum of about 650 k per year. And I have a feeling she's coming in hot this year. You know, she... I kind of do, too. You're nodding your head. I, well, okay, so I'm of two minds with this, because I think I might have even picked... No, I picked Tati to win the world title. Sorry, Tyler. I picked Tyler to win Pipe. Um, but I do, I think she could come back strong this year. She actually, she hasn't been in title contention since 2017. Obviously she dealt with that, uh, health issue that started in 2018. She's been dealing with that ever since. And, you know, last year she didn't make it into the top five. So she hasn't really been on that same level for a long time. So on one hand, I'm like, huh, Rip Curl's putting a lot of money into this person who sort of hasn't been at the top for a while. Granted, a lot of that time it wasn't her fault, of course, but still, like, you're a company, you're making distinctions and, and these dollar amounts based off perceived value of a person. So when I think about that, I think either they see a lot of future value in her and she's going to win a bunch more world titles, which is possible. I don't know if it's necessarily likely given the rest of the talent that's in the women's side right now, but it's certainly possible. But I think... For me, the value that they see in Tyler is like she's so much bigger than just her accomplishments in sport. Like she is a person who's been through a lot. People recognize her as, you know, somebody who's like battled and fought and she has a lot of respect for that. She's also, um, you know, a huge proponent of the gay community. She's obviously come out and married a woman herself. So that's a huge step, you know, forward for surfing. And she's also been a huge proponent of like indigenous communities and stuff. So I think that they see her as a true icon of surfing and female surfing and all these other great causes that over time, Tyler Wright is going to be heralded as sort of one of the, the most important people in surfing. So I think that that's probably the play for them. They're thinking, yeah, this person, regardless whether they finish first or fifth or eighth, you know, for the next 10 years on tour, she still has this presence that's really, really important. And it's going to be important for the the future of the sport. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. She is the type of person that transcends just our little surf world. I think Rip Curl sees that. She's represented by the Fordham agency in Australia who work with a lot of talent that 
just goes beyond surfing. And I think that I'd be surprised if she does not make the Olympics this year. She has to be within the top two Australian women. So she's, it's not going to be easy. I mean, Steph's always there. And then there's a bunch of new talent. Sally's always there. It's like, that's not an easy thing to do at all. But I do think we're going to have a healthy Tyler this year who's going to be winning events, going hard. I really think that she's going to have a great year. I think she's going to make that Olympic thing. And I think it's just like her story is what the Olympics just eat up. And I see this deal as something that's kind of banking on that. I see this being a story that the Olympics are going to want to tell, that like mainstream outlets are going to pick up on leading into it. If she does well there, which Chopu, she fucking charges. She could do very well there. Um, I see this as an Olympic play. But anyway, it's awesome. It's awesome to hear that she's got such a big deal and she deserves it. Yeah, I think she's basically the way they see it is she's on path to be their female Mick Fanning right? Like Mick went through similar, you know, hard time, not similar, but similarly hard times in his life, you know, from a lot of family passing to obviously the shark incident, overcoming all those things to become a three-time world champion. And he's just a really good person on top of that. So I think they're trying to lock in their sort of female analog to Mick. And then they have this sort of inscrutable Australian super team that will just stand the test of time. So good on Rip Curl. Good on Tyler. WSL tells competitors, you better like them apples. Ooh, wow. Okay, so this is going to be a little time capsule, I think. We do these podcasts weekly, and a lot changes in a week. So as we're recording this, we've seen one day of competition at Pipeline. Uh, The women are on as we speak. We've been watching that, but we had to kind of tuck away to get into this. Anyway, this broke. We, we we talked about this before. Okay, the the WSL has a partnership with Apple, specifically with the Apple Watches, right? And we broke that news a month or two ago, and now we got more details about it. Now that the season was about to start, so this story goes into that, and yeah, there's some interesting, interesting stuff here. So. You've probably been watching the pipe broadcast already, but <laughs> if you have been, <laughs> you may have seen a certain Italian man <laughs> talking about how this partnership is going thus far. <laughs> and um, God, it's a funny one. Okay, so this Apple Watch app is supposed to update competitors on their scores. The, the biggest thing it's going to do, okay, is it's going to update the scores. It's going to say, hey, you know, you have 15 minutes left. You have a seven. You need a six, blah, blah, blah. And then it's also going to be able to show some biometrics, your heart rate, right, how far you paddle, all these things. And uh, Leo Fioravanti came in from his round one heat and just said his thing was not working. It didn't even show him the time. Uh, and he was not happy about that. The Italian passion came out, so... <laughs> Yeah, and I just want to say, I mean, our freaking watches weren't working, and that's pretty heavy. Like, my watch wasn't working, and nothing to take away from Apple or WSL. I mean, what they're doing is great. They're trying to bring in some some technology to our world. But if my watch doesn't work from start to finish, and i got to ask for time, like, I've, I've been used to, um, you know, having the time on me at all times in heats. And, you know, we're fighting for our careers, so I hope they figure it out because my watch didn't work from start to finish. So that's pretty heavy. So what are you thinking if you're Tim Apple right now? If you are Tim Apple, the founder and CEO of, of Apple, um, you're thinking, I don't know, he's probably already mad at the EU because they do all that uh, the cookie tracking thing. So I think Apple's gotten sued over here. Tim Apple's not happy. They're, they're changing the wires over there too. Are they? Yeah, you didn't hear that? They, out, they, they banned the lightning port in like future iPhones in Europe. Oh yeah. Europe's really giving them the- Oh yeah, I back that. I back that, yeah. So Tim Apple's livid with all of Europe. Uh, Leo Leo did not help that. But anyway, this is interesting because I do wonder, a a part of this which is brought up in this story is that whole biometric thing, like being able to see a competitor's heart rate during a heat. I'm not sure if they're going to ever give us the information. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. So this is Apple, right? And I don't know how exactly the deal works because box to box produces make or break. And then they sold the rights to that to Apple TV Plus. 
So I wonder if there's a connection there, like maybe they're going to save that intel for something like that so that it's this exclusive thing, you know what I mean, versus just airing it on the broadcast where you and I can pick up on it and make whatever story we want out of it. Maybe they want to sort of hold on to that info for something like that. I get that. I get that. But I just think that like, okay, the best example of this, which would be fascinating, there's no denying be fascinating for the viewers, but best example would be say it's pumping and you have somebody who's known for being a big wave stallion. Say you have Jack Robinson in a heat against somebody who's not, maybe they came up in our introduction chat. Uh, and you get to see their heart rate. I mean, there's, there's a thing at least in the U S called the health insurance portability and accountability act HIPAA, which I know prevents a lot of like, it makes things difficult for mainstream sports leagues to kind of, share information about injuries because this affects your ability to get health insurance. Arguably it doesn't matter when somebody's making a ton of money, but like, so this is a big thing. You can't really share health data. Right. Um, it's just really weird to me that like, I, I would think that there'd be something wrong with showing people that, Hey, you put this person in heavy waves. They have just a physical reaction of fear to that. Like, I don't know if that's ethical. I, I think that you'd have an ethical challenge to that. There is that guy who wrote that Sapiens book, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, who he wrote something when the pandemic started happening about how like biometrics can kind of track things like before you're, you realize you're sick, before you start coughing or something, you might be able to have something that like shows your heart rate variability or something is a little bit off that shows like an illness is coming. Um, he said, okay, great. That could give us some early signs that could help with people getting the proper treatment but at the same time like imagine if there was a dictator who kind of could get that information on you and know that when they're speaking your heart rate responded in a way that showed like this is a hallmark of anger or something you know like you're worried about elo i'm worried about elo getting this this information i don't know i just I, i'm not sure the ethics of it it'd be fascinating to for us to get it really would be but i think that it's just like to blast that out to however many people are watching this thing, which according to him is 8.3 million. I don't know if they'll ever be able to do that. It doesn't happen in other sports league. It's not happening on anywhere else. Like it, why would it happen in surfing? Yeah, I, fair enough. I hope they do. I hope they figure out a loophole. I think surfing's all about loopholes and sort of going against the grain a little bit. So I hope that they do, but WSL's pretty squeaky clean with how they do most of their things, so I'm probably with you. That seems mm. fairly unlikely. Anyway, these things are like worse than the Red Bull hat because if you refuse to wear it, 5K violation for the first offense, 10K for the second, up to 50K for the third. So, I mean, I don't know what the penalty is for wearing the forbidden hat on the podium, which I heard might not even be a rule anymore. Um, but anyway, you're naughty if you try to strap back on the G-Shock for heat. That's a big trouble these days. <laughs> Sorry, Gabe Kling. Definitely the first time I've gone surfing via plane. That title is in quotes. They're not mine. Uh, they're Parker Coffins because I've never gone surfing via plane. I guess I kind of have. I guess if you fly... I went to Indo with you. So Four months ago, we went to plane. Well, no, they literally took a... Yeah, what does that even mean? Like, left the house. Did they get, like, towed in by a plane? Let the pilot explain. Okay, they... This is a Rourke edit. It's about 20 minutes long. Um, it's on our site right now. It's free, so you don't even have to have the stab premium, even though you should. It's the right thing to do. Um, go watch this thing. It's great. Let's hear from this pilot. This guy's the coolest man in the world. Let's just hear from him to help explain what it's like to go surfing via plane. I live on the west coast, best place on earth I reckon. We've got the massive rivers, we've got the massive mountains, we get a huge amount of rainfall and after every big rain there's always one spot that's going to be working so like luckily when I'm transiting and, and then I can work out where the waves are and you know we used to have these pictures on the wall of empty lineups and amazing places and like, when I was a kid that was what I dreamed about. I mean, it sort of turned into my life's quest to like just try and find waves, like empty, empty perfection, and it's been worth it, man. Like, the search for the perfect southwestland wave is, uh, it's real, man. It's cool. All right, so this edit, absent without leave. Rourke is known for doing these trips that I think look like the coolest thing in the world. They don't just like go somewhere where you're gonna get waves. They go somewhere where you're gonna have a full experience. 
in absent without leave, they went to the South Island of New Zealand, specifically in the Southwest, as our pilot friend said. And it just looks like the funnest trip ever. They get these empty firing waves. They're ripping around on dirt bikes on the beach. They're drinking beers, hanging out by the fire. It does look cold. Um, where they are, there's a, I don't want to call it a city. There's a place called Bluff, New Zealand, which is 46 degrees south. For those in the northern hemisphere, Seattle is 47 degrees north in latitude. So they're they're far away from that equator. So they're not just being little, you know, California boys being like, oh, it's cold. Um, anyway, Mikey, what do you make of this clip? I thought it looked miserable and amazing at the same time. Like one of those, like a type two fun situation, right? Because anytime, because cold is one thing, but cold and rain at the same time, is really, really hard to deal with when you're trying to put on a wetsuit. Would you rather have snow? Yeah, 100% I'd rather snow. Like, no question about it. The idea of, like, getting into a wetsuit that's probably already a little bit wet, and then it's just, like, damp outside. You just never escape this, like, frigid bone cold. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But then you see the waves that they get, especially the last session at the end of the film, and it's like, yep, that's what it's all about. Like, you would put on a wetsuit that was literally like an icicle to go out there and just beautiful wild offshore beach break peaks with nobody out it's the most fun and exciting type of surfing i think well i like it i think i don't know suffering i think suffering through a session makes you enjoy it more i think like if you get it's hard because you always want to get barreled in board shorts that's like the best thing ever but there's also something i think it's more rewarding to get barreled when you have to put on a cold wet wetsuit in the rain like the feeling afterwards i think is is way more powerful yeah you'd rather probably just be waiting for a wave bobbing around board shorts but i think the feeling that you get after is interesting and i really like what rourke's doing um i have a friend that goes on some trips for them that he gets paid to just kind of write some stuff for them and i know they already did a recent one where he didn't even have service for a while they're on some island and he was showing me like a clip of him kind of scaling down a mountain like like kind of you know, he had a rope. What do they call that when they're going down the mountain? Remember that thing? Uh, it's not trapeze. Trapeze is not it at all. <laughs> rappel. 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 There it is. He's rappelling down a mountain with a board somewhere on some tropical island. He showed me some clips from it. They got crazy, crazy waves. And for Rourke, it does seem to be more about an experience than just getting waves. Uh and it seems like when you're rappelling down a tropical mountain, maybe that'd be more your speed, Mikey, instead of this cold, rainy New Zealand. But it, it, they really are doing things differently than just going somewhere, getting waves. Like they really seem to be curating this, these experiences through like the plane to the bikes. Like everything about it seems like okay, we're not just going to this place to get waves. We're going here to really have a new experience and do it different and i don't see anybody else doing that in our space so i think it's really cool this made me want to go on a surf trip like that i can't say i ever have been i can't say i've ever been on a surf trip where it's like so much more than just surfing like or so much more organized you know um because yeah i want to go on a seaplane or it wasn't a seaplane but i want to go on a plane and rip a dirt bike around when i surf i don't want to just like go and like hang out and surf the way out front I want to be on Roar. I do. And, and you know, we kind of know that one of the surfers in this edit is no longer with Roar. So there's an open spot, Buck. You can throw your hat in the ring. Well, it's in the ring, okay? You consider it in. My melon hat is in the ring. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Melon, like Jordy Smith. <laughs> Stephanie Gilmore and Philippe Toledo are the 2022 Stab Surfers of the Year. And aren't you surprised? Huey Vaughn is officially your Male Junior of the Year. Katie Simmers is your Female Junior of the Year. What we did there for both of them is if they got voted for a just normal, like against every adult too, they collected points for that as well. So there was kind of a, it seemed like there was a race between Katie and Sierra. Both of them were getting voted in the top five, just regardless of the age as well. But Katie pulled ahead with all of that. And then Nasvid took out the film and Ho and Pringle, best YouTube channel, which is, I mean, <laughs> which is great. They, they would have won best Vimeo channel in 2010 too. They're just still doing it. Well, that's kind of just like a condemnation 
from the surf community of vlogs, yeah, right? Truly. Like it's obviously like these things work for the general public, but they're not what core surfers want to watch when they think about surf content that's maybe not as manicured. So it's interesting. But it's, yeah, it's an ever-evolving part of our culture, I suppose. But what's not evolving is people loving Mason Ho and Rory Pringle's work. So great done to those two. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, I don't know if Darwin had anything to say about this, but I would imagine that sometimes you get to a point evolutionary where things just stick. It's like it's working. Like, let's just keep these spines, you know? We don't need to... Horseshoe crabs. Yeah, yeah, horseshoe crabs. They're still going. Like, why? why? If it ain't broken, you know? (laughs) Anyway, this if you go read this post, you'll see the full, full list of everybody who was voted for, which to me is really interesting. Obviously, if you've been following along all this time, you've been seeing it evolve day by day and seeing like the top 10, but when you see the full list of this whole 45-person panel plus the SAB Premium members, it's really interesting. And I have to call something out here, okay? Ethan Ewing. He wins an event, he gets fourth place in the world, he gets 47.5 votes. Weird they got the point five, but hey, that happens sometimes in these <laughs> things. Joanne DeFay wins an event, finishes third in the world, and I'm the only person who voted for her. Ooh. She literally got one vote, and it was me. <laughs> and you know what, people? This is why you go to Paris and people are mean to you, Okay. This is why, like, just fucking, how, how is that possible? How? On paper, look at that. I'm the only one who submitted her name, and even I submitted it fifth because she had one point. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, Joanne. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. I guess G-Land, you know, maybe if G-Land, the waves were actually good, people would have cared more. She got third in the world. <laughs> um, Italo got second in the world. He didn't crack the top ten. Mm-hmm. He did vote for Clay, who also had one point, though. Clay was a, Clay Marzo, another one-pointer. Um, <laughs> incredible. Thank you for that, Italo. But, wow, I didn't realize he was out of the top ten. Oh, can I – sorry, just to backtrack a little bit. Can I just bring up one other thing that came to my attention this week of somebody who beat another person in a ranking that just absolutely blew my mind? Go ahead. So we were talking about Griffin Cole Pinto earlier for his new Red Bull signing, and – I think it was maybe you in the piece or whoever wrote the piece. They said um, that Griffin finished seventh last year on the tour. And I was like, that's not right. He finished sixth because I remember there was this big back and forth between him and Kanoe Igarashi for the fifth spot. It was a huge deal, right? It was what everybody was talking about. I go back and check the rankings from 2022. It turns out that Miggy Poupo slithered his way into sixth place in the world ahead of Griffin Cole Pinto by winning at Tahiti. And to me, I have to imagine for Griffin, that stings even worse than not getting into the top five. Hey, Miggy won his heat yesterday too. He's big wave mix. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's a lot of interesting rankings going on in 2022. Um, but, you know, like we said, there's a big parallel. Felipe, Steph win. They win the world title. They win Stab Surf for the year. So congratulations. And congratulations, Joanne. You and and stop when people are mean to you in Paris when you try wearing a coffee, then go fuck yourself, everybody. How small time investors can get in on wave pools. So I hinted at this last week. I gotta be honest here, folks. We tried to ask a simple question. If you have 10k to invest and you wanna somehow see if wave pools can make you more money than 10k if you give it to them somehow can that happen are you satisfied with the answer we dug up in this piece mikey um it was a lot of words to say no mostly right is that that was my read of it Mm, it's not a hard no basically what this point what this piece goes on to say is that okay if you just want to actually buy into a a wave pool i mean these things cost up to like $20 million to build. So 10K, nobody's really going to be that eager to take 0.05% of funding their project. That's more of a pain in the ass than anything, especially if you're going to be like, well, I'm an owner. I deserve to get waves. And so you might be able to find somebody who will, um, but even still the returns are pretty unlikely. Like obviously it don't have to be a, an event where it sells to – take your investment and turn it to whatever the place sells for. So if you have 10K, you probably can't do that. The short answer is you could try, but it's unlikely that you'll make any money. Hey, 
we won't knock you for trying and sometimes you ask a question and the answer isn't exactly pretty that's what we did here but but there is a but mikey this piece eventually evolves into talking about real estate plays around wave pools how do you feel about that i think that's a pretty interesting one because I was actually, when I went to Brazil for Stab in the Dark, I had a 15-hour layover in Sao Paulo on the way home. And I was trying to figure out what to do during that time. I didn't want to sit in the airport the entire time. So I was asking Steve Elaine, who's from um, around Sao Paulo, like, what should I do? You know, I got all this time. And he was like, yeah, you know, I could send you to like a restaurant or whatever. But like, you're going there alone. It's probably not that exciting. And then he's like, oh, you know what? I have a buddy who basically runs the surf park at one of these private communities in Brazil. So originally I thought it was going to be the American Wave Machines Perfect Swell one that we just saw that clip from Italo and all those guys at. But it was actually the Wave Garden Pool that's in a different part of South. They're, they're both out on the outskirts of Sao Paulo. But anyway, it was it was the Wave Garden one. So Steve worked his angles. He basically got me and Dylan Roberts into this pool. We each got to spend like a full day there and surf it the entire time. And basically what I learned is that the, the community that it's in, it's a private community. The pool is just for the community members and their guests. You can bring like one guest a week or something like that. So it's super exclusive. And apparently the places are selling insane. And for a lot of money, I think they said the cheapest ones were like, I want to say two mil. That sounds like a lot, especially in like Brazilian dollars. Like that would be an insane amount of money. Maybe it was two million. No, I think it was two million US. It was a lot. And the other crazy thing that I got out of that was not only are these things lucrative to build houses and real estate around, but holy shit, we talked about this when wave pools first became, you know, a real thing in our minds. Like, are they just going to create this next troop of like super surfers? There was a guy there who was, I think he was in his late thirties and he'd been living in that community, or I think he moved into the community when he heard there was going to be a wave pool because he'd always wanted to surf, but never really had the ability to, because he lived in the city and blah, blah, blah. He'd always done action sports, but surfing had always sort of eluded him. And he's like, this is my opportunity. You know, I have the money. I want to really like commit to this and like, you know, surf a lot and become a good surfer. Dude, he's been surfing for a year and a half. And I was like, he was like doing like proper air, or not, not proper airs, but like popping airs getting properly tubed, doing like smooth turns. Like it was crazy. I've never seen somebody get that good at surfing that fast. Wow. Okay. I have heard that those things in Brazil, there's a few private wave pool things in Brazil like that. And I, they basically find a piece of land that nobody cares about because it's out in the outskirts. It's just this big place. Get it to the point where it could be developed, just pass whatever they have to pass or deal with the local laws there to get this project approved put some houses on it and then just make fucking bank um so if you can, they're printing money it's crazy yeah it, that's what this piece eventually comes to say is that hey pretty much everywhere that we asked this 10k question to was like yeah you, you can try uh that's cute but again you're gonna fund less than one percent of their project they aren't gonna really care the chances of you getting paid back on it are it just relies on so much. Whereas if you can do this kind of real estate play, which I don't think is specific to these private communities, you could also just, uh, part of this piece talks about a place that we found in Waco that's less than a hundred K. It's a weird little barn that's less than a mile from Waco surf that, Hey, if you bought this thing stacked with some boards, just kind of made it like a little surf Airbnb and just let it show up there. Like I'm sure you could make a profit on that. So if you want to make money on wave pools, folks, you got to buy houses around wave pools because guess what? No, it's unlikely anybody's going to take your money otherwise. And we asked a question, there's your answer, but read the piece for more details. And also the other crazy thing about this is that the pools for these private communities, I'm pretty sure are a loss leader. They're basically just to bring up the value of the homes around them because there's no way that they're making money on a pool that has like 10 people in it at a time, which was the case when I was there because they keep it super exclusive and that's the real value proposition, right? Because you could go to another pool depending on where you are in the world that's public and you're just not going to have the same experience as you will at a place like this. It was called Praia de Grama. Um, so they're investing all this money, like you said, maybe like 20 million into a pool 
and they're not seeing the return on that in terms of people using that pool, but they're seeing the return because that bumps the house prices up from say maybe 1.5 to two and times that by 300 homes or whatever there are. And you have a serious business in your hands there. So yeah, to Buck's point, buy real estate around pools. Don't buy pools. That's it folks. All right, we are just about at the hour of the surf sin, but first, what's next? Coming soon on Stab Premium, we have a breakdown of the $10 million that the WSL pumps into prize money each year. That's a big figure, isn't it, Mikey? We break it down, we show how much these people are making, we show how much they're making compared to other sports people, how much they, that number has changed over time. So that is coming. That'll be live in the next week. And we've also got a piece talking about atmospheric rivers, our favorite word. We're talking about all this crazy shit that's been happening in the Pacific, what it all means. Is the world ending? Is it climate change? We talked to somebody who can actually answer those questions, uh, and he didn't just tell us to buy houses around wave pools. So now that that's out of the way, let's get into a surf sin. We have a first here. This is the first repeat surf sinner, which I like. I think that a lot of us have sinned more than once in our lives. And if you have, like, you, you can't just, you know, we're flawed people. So you can't just think that you've sinned once and been done with it. So we have Hendo here, the man who famously tried to call Mick Fanning off a wave at Snapper, blaming uh, some optical difficulties on it he's kind of blind so it's okay sorry hendo anyway he's got new surfs in for us so let's hear it what's up stab what's up buck what's up mikey what's up big dick power surfer stace and wet lettuce this is my second surf sin submission heard you guys want some videos so let's go this was 2018. I was working for World Surf League at the time and the tour was heading to Caramas, Bali. At the time, I was talking to a lot of people about general health, post-surf, pre-surf, workouts, etc. Somebody got me onto Epsom salt baths, so I became a big bath guy. My neighbor as well at the time was telling me about this thing called psyllium husk, which is fiber, and he says, oh, it helps you take phantom shits. No wipers every time. Like, okay, cool. Got the psyllium husk got the Epsom salts, packed them into my board bag, heading to Bali because I'm like, hey, who doesn't want to take a bath and have good shits while you're in Bali? So there we were, we flew, I thought nothing of it, and we landed, and you all know how aggravating sometimes customs can be, whether you're traveling with nerd gear, product for companies, etc. That moment, especially when going through the Bali airport, can be a little bit challenging, right? So we go through, get our boards, get our bags. We're going through the secondary customs part. And all of a sudden, one of the officers pulls me over, not into secondary, but says, hey, we found some stuff in your bag. We want to talk to you. And I'm like, the hell did I forget something in there? So I've got coworkers behind me. I've got athletes around me. I've got people who work for surf industry there, one of which was pulled over into the secondary area because they had board shorts and they were kind of trying to get those through. So I was sweating at the moment being like, what did I do? Some of my bosses were there and I'm tripping, dude. So the security officer comes to me, pulls this bag out. It's a Ziploc bag with white powder and says, what is this? And I was like, oh shit, that's Epsom salt baths. It's, you know, it's for a bath. And they're like, what? They pull the other bag out. It's like, looks grainy. It's kind of brown. And they go, what is this? And I'm like, oh, that's psyllium husk. It's fiber for... <clears throat> like, you know, stuff like that. And uh, they kind of were not convinced at first. I could understand how it would look like illegal substances. So immediately in my mind, I'm like, snowing in Bali, Bali 9, uh, Hotel K, all these things start going in my mind. Like, am I gonna be sleeping in Hotel K tonight? Shit. Meanwhile, people are watching me being like, dude, what's happening? What is this? So after a bit of back and forth and me kind of mimicking all that stuff, they were nice enough to understand and let me go, but I guess I'll take this moment to uh, say, forgive me frothers for I have sinned. Forgive me the nation of Bali because you know that could have been pretty bad. Thank you for understanding that it was simply just Epsom salts and fiber. And I guess I'd like to apologize to my coworkers and everyone else who thought I was trying to transport illegal substances into the country, which I was not. Anyways, ready for the pens. Thought I'd get that off my chest. Thanks, have a good one. I'm so confused. 
I yeah, I just I mean I I love Hendo. He was in uh, Stab High Lakey Peak with us. He was running all these crazy algorithms to make sure that we didn't lose any clips. And he seems like a really, really good guy. But I'm just, I'm like, what is the sit? Like, you packed some powders in your bags that weren't drugs? And then well, I've seen how you pack. You're a bad boy still? I don't get it. And you have everything. You bring everything. So, yeah, I I get that. First of all, I have to call out Paul Evans here. He made some 2023 predictions. They were bold. One of them was that we're going to shift from ice baths to just normal baths. Um, so Hendo is at the forefront of this movement, I feel, but at the same time, you go to fucking Bali. Who needs to have a hot bath in Bali? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> who brings, who brings, who's having baths in Bali? I'm so confused. It's hot there. That's true. That's really weird. It's like eating a, well, I guess you do eat kind of like curryish type stuff in hot places, but it's like eating like a, just a soup on a hot night. It's just weird. And also, to, you don't like soup in general. To be fair to the customs guy, I mean, he's just trying to maintain order in his beautiful country of Indonesia. Bath salts. A guy in Florida ate another guy's face once because he was doing bath salts, and I know that that was kind of like a, a that was technically meth that they would just keep on evolving a little bit so that it just like by the time that you know legal process take a while for it to actually be a drug to be illegal so it just evolved a little bit and that it take a while to catch up so it's just like legal meth essentially and then the guy ate the guy's face i think it was in 2013 um that was not epsom salts epsom salts are just kind of salt that you put in and it's supposed to make your body feel good or whatever but anyway I see a sin here. I I really do detect a sin here. And are you? I know you thought about it for a while. Can you identify it in the end or what? No, I'm I'm sinless, but I'm still happy to give a penance. I actually have two penances, but I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, the sin that I think happened is he came in. He lives in California, and to get to Bali from California, you're looking at twenty two hours, let's say, on a flight minimum, right? You're getting to the airport early, checking in boards, all that. You're going to take a little while to get through Indo Customs, as he did. At that moment, when you were so close to just not being in transit, that minute feels like every minute becomes an hour when you're that close. Like once you clear the, like once you're at that point where you're off the plane and you just want to get through everything, like I'm the type of person who will speed walk past you i'm not gonna go full stride run but i'm gonna speed walk past you when we get off that plane to beat you to the customs line like every minute is worth an hour at that time when you've already traveled for 24 hours so doing anything that can delay your group as he did there is a sin if you if people have to wait for you because you tried to bathe, you tried to bathe in indonesia you're gonna have to have your air condition on like blasting to even be comfortable in this bath uh, that's the sin. You you hung these people up. So my penance is he needs to experience this waiting sensation. So next time he surfs in good waves, not average waves, good waves, he needs to go, he needs to paddle out and go at least 100 feet away from the crowd out the back, let's say 20, 30 meters, and just go head down to the point where people are confused. You can't say anything to anybody before this. You have to just paddle out there, be just like <laughs> the rogue guy who's just waiting out there, head down. And you got to do 10 minutes out there, head down, make people kind of worry about you a little bit. <laughs> and then and then you get to come in and surf. And if you want to talk to talk to them about it after then, that's fine, but you have to experience this like painful sensation of waiting because if I had just sat on a plane for 24 hours and we're getting delayed with our ride to Karamas because some guy tried to bring a fucking bath salt into the country. I am mad at you. So that's uh, that's the sin and that's penance. I me. like that. I like that a lot. I also like that it has the opportunity, slight as it is, of like just creating a true hero out of him. If a rogue wave just comes out of nowhere and he just looks like an absolute genius and just catches it and rides past everyone, I think that would be brilliant as well. Unlikely, but it would be beautiful mm. if it happened. Unlikely, but if he did, it'd be that Kelly Slater slap in the wire thing, which he's already been doing at Pipe. I watched it. Okay, so I have two penances, and they're mostly just because I think that you want one, first of all. Like, I think he's maybe a little bit of a masochist. Um, and he also shared this really long story with us, which I think has no real sin. So that's a sin in and of itself. 
so penance number one, these, these are optional. You don't have to, you can choose one or the other or bucks, I suppose, but I, I had two thoughts, so I wanted to share them both. It's unlike, unusual that I have two thoughts in a day. So first one is that you got to go for a full week without wiping. You're claiming the no wipe poops, the phantom poops, and I think you, you got to just commit to it. If you're going to do it, commit to it, right? Like don't do this half-ass thing. So that's one option. And your other option is that you have to, next time you travel on a plane, you have to actually smuggle some form of drug with you. And I thought about that too, yeah. Yeah, we've, you know, we've heard lots of strategies from different surfers. Chappelle Corby has hers. Um, we've heard that the, the inside of a leash thing, the little thing where you can put the key on the leash, we heard that's a good spot that they don't check apparently. Um, it's up to you to decide you know, what sort of drug you want to bring. It can be as weak as weed. It can be stronger. It's got to be at least a gram, though. It can't be like just like a tiny fleck of cocaine or something like that. Like It's got to be an amount that's like you could actually use. And it's up to you where you hide it. You can go carry on. You can go luggage. But yeah, that's your other option is bring an actual illicit substance with you next time you go somewhere. Just to actually, like, you, you just get your heart rate up, you know, because you went through this last one and it was probably just annoying because you knew you weren't actually going to get in trouble, but you were just causing other people all this grief. But I want you to actually feel that bit of sweat as you walk through. Uh, what Customs, yeah, customs, that's what it is. I would do some research, too, and make sure that there is the chance of a death penalty in this country. Just <laughs> I know that's kind of changed in some places over the years, so, like, make sure that that's still intact because uh, you want that. You really want to feel it. <laughs> And get wear an Apple Watch. Get Elo to give you an Apple Watch. Get the app. Um, get the heart rate. And me and uh, Noah Yuval Harari will uh, question the ethics of it all over here. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. If you have a surf sin of your own, and please, please make it a good one, you can send them to michael at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. Next week, we'll be back with potentially some pipeline winners. Depends how the contest rolls out. The forecast is looking a little dicey, but of course, if that happens, you can find it here and on the site. Uh, beyond that, we're going to also be talking about the $10 million the WSL pumps into prize money each year and atmospheric rivers, so stay tuned for that. And until next week, over and out.